Well, normally I start out by saying, hey, campers, but I'm not going to do that this morning, all right? You know what? I have, um, I, I just wanted you all to know what's happening up at camp right now. Some were asking me about uh, what is happening up there. How did we fare from the fires up there behind Wrightwood and that sort of thing? We didn't even know that there was a fire going other than we weren't allowed to drive on the roads. Uh, the wind was blowing the other direction, and we didn't even have smoke in the sky. So we didn't even smell smoke, but uh, it was about seven miles away, and so we did not uh, receive any damage other than, you know, we lost one of the weekends that uh, some of the, uh, the campers that were going to come up couldn't get up the hill. They had blocked off some of the roads. Uh, we didn't drive down the hill because we were afraid we couldn't get back up, so we just stayed there and enjoyed the camp for a weekend, but, uh, and that's great. Uh, every once in a while, we need a break like that. Uh, right now, we're at, right at the end of summer, and during the summer, we're going 25 hours a day, eight days a week in the middle of the summer. We just keep going, and there's really not a break. We just keep on keeping on, and so whenever we get to the end, uh, normally, uh, Labor Day is what we consider the break at the end of the summer. We start our weekends uh, starting on Labor Day, and that's when we start our weekend camps. We call it the off-season. So we do have a group up there. We had a group last week. It was Glendale uh, Bible Chapel, and uh, they had a Hispanic uh, uh, family camp, and then this week here we have another group, which happens to be a Filipino group that is up there this weekend. I... Um, I broke away here. I had, uh, we we're a little bit low on volunteers. I had my son come up and help out. Uh, Caitlin Moss was up there this weekend here also. So I think it's going good. I really don't know. But uh, uh, last weekend we had uh, uh, the Brooks family came to pick up their son Nathan, and they ended up saying to me, they said, Well, we'll see you next week. And I said, Oh, I thought maybe they're going to volunteer for next week. I thought, well, that's good. But they said, no, you're speaking at Claremont. And I said, oh, oh. And I think my, my, uh, my hearing is going the older I get. And we said September. I thought he said December. And they both ended on an 11. So I thought, okay, there we go. We're ready to go. But, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, my wife is holding down the fort right now. Alan and Bobby up there right now, too. Uh, some of the different groups that we've had coming up this past summer, we have been partnering with some different uh, organizations that have outreach to children, uh, a lot of them out of the Orange County area. Uh, there's one out of um, Hemet that we've been kind of partnering with also uh, that bring in kids. We had a letter from one of the leaders of this group this past week. It was a really encouraging letter. Uh, you know, I... You know, some of us that have grown up at Verdugo Pines, we, we kind of take it for granted and that sort of thing. But he was just really blessed by what takes place up there. He said seven of his kids had accepted the Lord this past summer. And he says out of the, uh, out of a, I forget the number that he brought, he said seven of them accepted the Lord. And uh, he went on to, to say, man, that's, this is a tremendous outreach. Uh, we had some of the different letters from, uh, they will end up bringing up some of their own counselors that we do screen before we bring them up. Uh, but they bring in some of their own counselors because it's hard to man whenever you end up bringing some of them. We want them to be followed up by some of their, uh, their cabin leaders. 
and that sort of thing. But uh, we had a, an insert from a couple of their cabin leaders saying this is a tremendous ministry where, where uh, uh, he says that the teaching that takes place there is better than any teaching they've heard before. And so we're not only a blessing to uh, some of the kids that come up there, but some of the other uh, groups, the organizations that come up there, we're able to be a blessing to them also. So it's, it's, we really, I believe, had a, a tremendous summer. We had uh, uh, the majority of our numbers were up uh, from last year. Um, and uh, but uh, we're working on how we can end up building some of the others. Anyway, that's my commercial for Verdugal Pines. Uh, I want to talk this morning. I think last time I, I spoke, I kind of looked at some of my notes that I had spoken before, and I, I think I brought up my grandkids that, that week also, saying, talking about spiritual gifts and, and how we can tell different things about spiritual gifts. I want to bring up something about my grandkid again this week, and I thought, wow, they're going to think that I'm, I'm overtaken by my grandkids. I am. <laughs> you know, those that have grandkids, you got to know that... Uh, this is about the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread. You know, uh, grandkids are tremendous. And it's not so much that you can, you know, some people say, hey, you can spoil them and send them home. That's not it. I, th I think we're less worried about uh, some of the spilling of the milk. I think a parent is always saying, hurry up and grow up. And a grandparent is saying, oh, slow down. Don't grow up so fast. Uh, and, I, and you enjoy those kids at that particular age. Uh, it was a couple years ago now that my daughter-in-law was in the hospital, and they won't tell us what the name of the grandchild's going to be. I don't know why they don't, you know, let us know what the name's going to be, you know, we're, you know, and they say, oh, no, we'll let you know when they're born, you know, and so we got to the hospital, and, and they ended up saying, uh, yeah, he was born, we're going to name him Micah, you know, like unto God, you know, and to become more like Christ, become more like God, you know, and they're going to name him Micah. And I thought, oh, that's a great name. That's a tremendous name. Now, uh, Megan had a, uh, a friend that was just a recent believer, and she ended up uh, not knowing much about Scripture, but she knew a few songs, and she says, wow, that is really cool. He was born on June 8th. He was born on June 8th, and his name is Micah, and, I, and it just didn't register to me. And he said, yeah, Micah 6-8, you know? He has shown you, old man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I thought, wow, what a tremendous life verse. This kid just gets born, and he has a life verse uh, already. And, and uh, a little later on, they were talking to me about doing a... Uh, a child dedication, and I don't know what to think about that other than I do know that in the uh, Old Testament they had Samuel that was dedicated to the Lord and, and that sort of thing, so I was trying to think, okay, now what can I end up bringing up? So I had to bring up the Micah 6-8, you know, and, and in doing so, it, it really kind of thrust me into that passage, you know, I used to sing it all the time, but I, you know, and I thought that was a catchy tune, and yes, that is kind of cool to have a little song, and, and it would just kind of blow right over it, but I started doing a little bit deeper subject, a study on Micah 6-8, so we're going to go over that today, and I think Jason has some uh, little cards he's going to end up handing out to y'all, uh, 
Micah 6.8 is where we're going to end up going today. Uh, one of the things about Micah, you know, he is a minor prophet. And, uh, and I always wondered, what's the difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet? You know, was one of them smarter than the other? Or uh, it was just that the books are smaller or larger. And I always thought, oh, that doesn't make sense. But you know, okay, well, he was a minor prophet, but he was quoted several times. And uh, you, can, you can see some of his quotes even in, in Matthew where he's talking about his um, prophesying the coming of the Lord, his prophesying Jesus in, in um, chapter 5. But he, what Micah was all about here, uh, they were going through a in their culture they were having issues of, of the poor and the, and the rich were becoming greater and greater between them. And, and it said that their leaders, you can end up seeing in chapter 3, it says uh, in verse 2, it's talking about they hate good and love evil. And I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's our leaders today. You know, we see our leaders, you know, touting what is evil and saying that's good. And those things that are good, they're saying, well, let's not talk about those things. And they're putting them behind them. So we're like the people that, was taken, that Micah was prophesying to at that particular time. He lived at the same time that uh, Isaiah did. And so they were kind of contemporaries at that point. But you also see late, later on in chapter 3 there, he talks in, in verse 11 and 12. He says, your judges are accepting bribes. And then he goes down he says, your priests uh, that teach, they teach for pay. They're receiving payment for their teaching. And, and you look at your prophets, it says uh, they prophesy for money. Well, do we see that today? Yeah, we, we can see that. And he says, he says, you're getting away from your, the principles that we have established throughout the Old Testament here. You're stepping away from them. And, but they, they ended up seeing themselves as doing everything is right. And I think we do that ourselves, don't we? We, we end up looking at ourselves and, you know, whenever I become a spiritual man or I start growing spiritually, I think everything that I'm doing is correct. Everything that I'm doing is right. This is everybody did what was right in their own eyes. They're, they're taking their own perspective and they're saying this is right. Are we doing that today? Absolutely. So anyways, Micah is talking to some of these um, uh, people that, that they're going through the same thing we did at the time. So we can apply some of this to ourselves. But let's go and, and look at um, verse 1. It says, uh, and, and you got to look at this as a courtroom type thing because he's going to end up saying, okay, you guys are the defendants and, and these guys here are the prosecutors and, and he's going to go through a courtroom type of uh, discussion here. It says here now, this is chapter 6, verse 1. Hear now what the Lord says. Arise and plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. He says, give an answer for your actions. He says, it's your turn. Stand up and say why you don't, why you're practicing what you're practicing. Give a defense. Could we stand up and give a defense of why we're doing what we're doing? Why we're acting like we're acting. We say, Lord, Lord, and yet we don't do the things that he asks us to do. It says, here, uh, you mountains, the Lord's complaint, I'm going to have to put on my glasses, sorry about that. Uh, 
the Lord's complaint uh, and the strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has complaint against his people, and he contends uh, with Israel. Now, there's another point, uh, point in scripture that ends up talking about the Lord has a complaint against you. Uh, we can see that in the seven churches in Revelation, can't we? He says, I have this against you. You know, you're doing everything that's right. You're going through the motions. You know, you're playing church, and, and you're doing it the right way. But this one thing, I have a complaint against you. You've lost your first love. This is the same thing that he's going through with um, uh, the people during Micah's time. He says, you have lost your love. You have lost your heart. You're doing what is right before the Lord but, and before yourself, but you have lost something. You're not following through with the heart. Let's uh, read on here. He says, um, oh, my people, um, uh, verse 3, it says, oh, my people, what have I done to you and how have I wearied you? You know what? There's a, another portion that was really kind of a, a kick to me, uh, really kind of turned my life to following Christ a little in a, a more deeper manner, was in Malachi and... Um, I wasn't going to turn here, but let's, let's turn there to Malachi real quick. Malachi, and he says, uh, and, and taking that terminology, he says, uh, how have I wearied you? Um, look at chapter 1, and, and this is Malachi, chapter 1. And, um, well, let's look at the end of verse 6. It says, to the priests who despise my name. And yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? He says, you have offered defiled food on the altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. When you offer blind sacrifices, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? I want to jump over. Uh, let's go down to verse 12. He says, but you profane it in that you say, the table of the Lord is defiled and the fruit uh, its food is contemptible. And you say, oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it. When have I done that? When have I said the table of the Lord is contemptible? He says, in your actions. You're just plain church. There's nothing real down inside. I'm just going through the motions. And I think this is something that is against us. There's times that I sing these songs and they didn't mean anything. I just sang them. And I come to the Lord's table and it's out of ritual. It's out of obligation. And my heart is not there. And he's saying, this is what is taking place. I'm looking for your heart. I'm not looking for your actions. And these people, the children of Israel at this time, were going through the actions we're going through the motions, but their heart wasn't there. Their love wasn't there. Um, and we say, oh, what a weariness, and we sneer at it. I, I remember as a kid, ah, man, do we have to get up early again Sunday morning? We get up early every other day of the week. Why can't we just sleep in? Oh, I got to go to church again today. Ah, 
and we sneer at it. How many of us got up this morning and had that deep sigh? Oh, once we get here, we're good. But I think we all struggle with that, don't we? Oh, what a weariness. And God is saying to him, how have I wearied you? And he goes on and he starts talking about some of the different things. He says, I redeemed you out of the house of the bondage. You know, the Lord redeemed us out of the bondage of sin. He says, and I, I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Marion. He says, I've even placed in your care. I have given you leaders that are showing you the direction. And we say, oh, what a weariness. He says, and he goes down, he says, oh, my people, remember how that Balak, king of Moab, counseled and how, uh, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered uh, him from the Acacia Grove in Gilgal. What, you know what? I can go back to miraculous things that have happened in my life. And I can, I can remember just getting excited. Wow, isn't this tremendous how the Lord is working in my life? And then next week I say, oh, what a weariness. And I go up and I go down. A schizophrenic Christian. You know, I, it's a wonder that the Lord even, you know, strives with us at times. He says that you may, uh, he says, I do these things in your life that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. The Lord has shown us mercy. The Lord has shown us love and compassion. He says, what have I done in your life for you to end up saying, oh, what a weariness. Now we get into verse 6. Um, um, this is the children of Israel's response. And they kind of respond with sarcasm. And, and I'm thinking, wow, how can you even talk to the Lord that way? But look at how he the, they respond to him. He says, with what shall we come to the Lord and bow myself down before the, the most high God? He's saying, what do you expect of me? I'm doing everything that you've asked me to do. Um, don't you realize, Lord, that I have a family? Don't you realize, Lord, that I have other responsibilities? Don't you, don't you see that I have kids? You know, what do you want me to do? You want another meeting? You want me to go to another? You want me to sign up for, to volunteer at Verdugo? <laughs> what do you want me? What more do you want me to do? And you can almost sense their frustration because they're answering back in a sarcastic manner. What do you expect out of me? And now look, look on, man. It, I mean, it gets worse. It says, shall I come before the Lord with burnt offerings, plural, with calves a year old, implying many calves or many offerings? How, you know, how much more can I end up offering? What is going to make you happy, God? And we get focused on the actions we get focused on what we're doing is what's going to please God. That's what they were doing. My actions are going to please God. And God says, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the heart. I'm not looking for the actions. If you have the heart, the actions will follow. The problem is my heart is wrong. I'm focused on the actions. 
I'm focused on what I'm doing. I think that's how I'm pleasing God, is by doing more and doing more and going to more meetings and, and, and volunteering for more and more things. God says, I want your heart. I want what's in here. Um, look, at, he goes, it says, will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Uh, shall I give up my firstborn for my transgressions or the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? What do you expect out of me, God? I've given you, I'm giving you all kinds of time. I'm giving you things. I'm giving you um, as much as I can give you. And God's response is this. I have shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In essence, the children of Israel are saying, I can't meet up to your standards. I had a, um, I had a girl uh, email me this, just yesterday. It says, I, you know what, I don't know if I, this uh, Christian walk, is really what I was expecting. I want to give up. I don't, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I haven't responded to her. It was an email I got last night. How do you respond? What, what is happening? You know, where's the heart? She can't meet up to these standards. She's saying, this Christian walk is so hard, I, I don't know if I can keep up with that. I want to give up. Do we ever feel that way? I, I believe we do. But our focus is on the things. Our focus is on the doing. Our focus is on the actions and not changing the heart. I go to church every Sunday, at least most of Sundays. I, I live a clean lifestyle most, most of the time. And, you know, I'm better than most Christians. I'm not perfect. But God, you're expecting perfection. God says, no. I am expecting your heart. Um, you know, mankind has put, uh, and I, I know I had these numbers wrong, but um, the law, you know, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, we saw the Ten Commandments out there, and, and uh, we see the law, but uh, the Jewish uh, sect at that time had, what did they say, 512 different laws that they had put on top, and we have all these different laws that we put on top also, don't we? We have these little traditions that we end up adding in, and we add this and we add that, and you're more spiritual if you do this or you do that, and, and we add all these different laws. Um, in the Old Testament, or well, no, no, is in the New Testament, when the, the, I think it was the scribe and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, I got two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He says, I'm going to summarize for you. You got two. Can you focus on two? Uh, here in the Old Testament, you got uh, uh, Micah ended up saying, say, I got three. You know, let me summarize. This is what God is saying to him. Let me summarize for you what I expect out of you. I got three. Um, do justly. And this is how we end up twisting things ourselves. To do justly, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly. You know what we like to do? We like to change that around a little bit. And, and I believe you guys have done that in your minds too. I have done it. We like to love justice and do mercy. You follow me on that? Here it says to do justly and to love mercy. But we like to love justice and do mercy. How do we love justice? I want these people to meet up to this standard. If they don't meet up to that standard, I can't show them mercy. If these people don't, you know what, and I love justice, I want them to end up walking rightly. I want them to walk by truth. I want them to follow principles. And if they're not, I don't know if I can show them mercy. And I love justice. But that's not what God asks us to do. He asks you to do justly. He wants you to walk with integrity. He wants you to do what is right. He wants you to look at yourself and say, Lord, you know what? I want to honor you by doing what you've asked me to do. I want to show you love. I know who loves me is those that keep my commandments, those that follow my, my statutes here. I want you to be self-correcting. I want you to look at yourself, but I don't want you holding them in an account right now. I want you to focus on yourself. You know what he wants us to do to other people? He wants us to love mercy. All right, so... There's a problem uh, with justice, walking justly. You got to know what truth is. You got to know what justice is for you to end up walking in that way. But there's also a problem with um, mercy. A problem with mercy is somebody has to wrong you before you can forgive them. How do you forgive somebody that hasn't wronged you? When you ask God, help me to have a forgiving spirit, you're asking God to have somebody wrong me so I can practice my forgiving spirit. I want, I'm looking for the opportunity. I love mercy so much, I'm looking for the opportunity I can show mercy to somebody. When they're not walking justly, I need to be showing mercy. I need to look for those that I can show, show mercy to. Um, I'm going to bring an illustration here, but I, I, I think you all have those people in your life that you have a hard time showing mercy to. I had one of the passages that I went over uh, this summer uh, was John 15, um, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There's a clause there. Wait, this is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full, and that's what we sing, you know. But the rest of that song, uh, the rest of that verse is, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? And I, I, Dave shared some out of uh, Romans 5 this morning, and another brother shared something out of Romans 5, and I, I was reading in Romans 5 a little bit this morning here myself. 
But when we were enemies against Christ, when we were enemies against God, he died for us. What kind of love does he want us to have? That kind of love. Those that are enemies against us. Those that are talking down to us. Uh, one of the th statements that would come out, and I, you know, I've heard it said before, but it never became so real to me as it did this summer. But I had one of my staff in and say, I love them, I just don't like them. Have you ever heard that? You know, and I had to end up shaking my head. I said, what do you mean you don't like them? You love them, but you don't like If you love somebody, you're going to go out of your way to end up spending time with them. When was the last time we had somebody over to our house for dinner? You're showing love. I can't wait to have so-and-so visit with me because I love them. I can't wait to spend time with them. I remember uh, growing up uh, down at Riverside, we had a, a nucleus of, of young adults. We didn't just see each other uh, on Sundays. We hung out with each other during the week. We'd go over and watch Monday night football together. We'd go out, we would hang out together. There was a love between us, a bond between us. It, that was unnatural. He says, you're going to end up seeing that kind of love with one another. If you're just going through the rituals, if you're just playing church, if you're just acting like you love one another, and that's what was happening with some of our staff. I just act like I love them, and I will tell them I love them. But you're going to tell if somebody loves the other person by the time they want to spend with one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. To love mercy. When somebody wronged me, if somebody speaks down to me, when so, to love mercy, I want to forgive. I, I'm looking at wrong as an opportunity to show mercy. I just love to show mercy. Do justly. Love mercy. Um, not just acting like it. I, I know I would, uh, I had my, my brother Tim, we would end up uh, talking about where we're going to speak, you know, who's going to speak next week, who's going to speak the week after. And, and I remember myself, I would end up saying, well, I, I have to speak on, uh, you know, in three weeks. And he would end up saying to me, what do you mean you have to speak? You know, I, I talk about a slip. It shows my heart. What do you mean you have to? You get to. I have the privilege of speaking. Oh, I have to spend time with so-and-so. Oh, I have to do that. I have. We should love to do that type of thing. To walk humbly with your God. Uh, you know, there's a problem with walking humbly. The problem is you have to be humbled. Somebody is going to humble you. And it might not be God, but it might be used by God to show us where we're at. But we have to be humbled to walk humbly. Um, Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, becoming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. To humble yourself, you have this, um, we have this high standing of ourselves. We have this high standing of my, I'm right and they're wrong. We have this high standing of, of yeah, they're, they're lucky to spend time with me. But we have to come to a point where we are humbled. And the Lord has given us the privilege of spending time with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be humbled even before God and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. I thought I was doing things right, but I'm not. And uh, humility... Um, there's a, there's a lot of pride in that humility, right? Uh, if I don't have uh, humility, a lot of people recognize that as the opposite of humility is pride. And there's a lot of pride. And I, I brought up a little bit ago about this, this uh, one person that had emailed me. I, I believe their problem is pride. They know better than God knows. That's where we get. When we end up saying, I, I don't know if I can follow those standards, God knows better. Humility, to walk in humility. The Lord's right and I'm wrong. One of my uh, favorite verses with, uh, that deals with humility is that, uh, and I thought I had in my paper, here you go, is that Second Chronicles 714, I think that we all could probably quote. It says, if my people, the ones that are called by my name, are you called by his name? Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What direction you want me to go? Look in him. It is a lordship issue. Is he really lord of our life? Is he directing us where to go? Am I following him? He says, if my people, the ones that are called by my name, do you put yourself in that category, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their families, and heal their relationships and heal their land. You know why my, my land isn't healed? You know why my family isn't healed? You know why my relationships aren't healed? I have not humbled myself. I'm putting myself upon this pedestal. And I say, I have the right. And my rights come before the Lord's direction. It's a lordship issue. You want your land healed? You want your, your families healed? You want relationships healed? Humble yourself and pray. Seek my face. Seek my direction. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. 
Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword and, and cuts us deep. And, and Lord, we know that uh, your word won't go out void. We know that this, this word this morning was for me. We know it was for different individuals in this auditorium today. We pray that, that our lives will be changed because of our time spent in your word. We pray that we'll apply these principles. We pray that we'll stop playing the games. Stop playing, church, and become real. Father, help us to, to walk humbly. Help us to um, not only do justice, but to love mercy to love those that are around us and, uh, and to fulfill your commandment, to love as you have loved us. Father, change our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we commit ourselves. Amen.